Hello, everybody. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk from my study. We are in a series of talks now called What Good is the Bible? This series was motivated by my personal observation that too many church people don't know their Bibles very well and apparently don't understand why the Bible is so important for Christians. I hope these talks will encourage people to begin to see the Word of God as their daily bread, which is even more important than the bread on the dinner table. Now, if you look at the top of this webpage, you'll see in very small and faint letters the words, All Episodes. If you click on that, you can look over previous installments and maybe listen to some you missed. Now, today I want to talk about how to handle the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a very difficult book for many reasons. Much of the content offends our modern sensibilities. There is much violence in the Old Testament that we find appalling. Some people have said that they love the God of the New Testament, but the God of the Old Testament is mean and cruel. Let's look at this problem. Nobody except God knows for sure when the earliest parts of the Old Testament were written down. But let's be conservative and just say that the content of the Old Testament goes back at least 4,000 years. I assume I don't have to tell you that the world of the ancient Near East 4,000 years ago was very different from the world today as we experience it. We can safely say that the world then was a barbaric place. People took war and violence for granted. There was no Geneva Convention. In a war, you did whatever it took to win, and apparently few people had any qualms about wholesale slaughter of enemy tribes. In addition to the violence, slavery was an accepted part of life. There was no abolition movement in the Middle East in 2000 BC. Now I could go on, but I just want you to try the best you can to imagine how different things were. I'm certainly not condoning barbarism and slavery, but to understand the Old Testament, you have to understand that this is how things were. As a believer in creation, and by that I simply mean that what we can see with our eyes originated with God's decree. I believe that since God is good, what he created in the beginning was good. Hebrews 11 and verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, I'm not going to discuss the various theories of creation, but I'll just stipulate that God brought the universe into being in the beginning, to quote the first phrase of the Bible. I believe God's intention was that mankind faithfully steward his creation in such a way that it would be a reflection of his glory. Sadly, mankind didn't do that. We went rogue, and the sad state of the world is the result. In the beginning of the story of the flood, which is found in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great 
in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Did you know the Bible said that? Did you know that God's heart can be grieved? Apparently, it can. We could quote many more passages that indicate that this is so, but that's for another talk. Suffice it to say, a few verses after these, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God did not create the earth to be filled with violence. He created it to be a paradise. But because of mankind's sin, the earth was corrupted. It would be nice if the flood had eliminated violence forever from the earth, but it did not. So the people that God began to work with that we read about in the Old Testament lived in a violent culture. There was slavery, and for the most part, women were considered property almost on the level of a man's livestock. Now, I'm going to digress for a moment, and in this digression, I'm going to make the case for understanding and accepting the Old Testament as the Word of God as much as we accept the Gospel of John, for example. I grew up in churches that believed in foreign missions. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended back to heaven was, Go and make disciples of all nations. The gospel is not just for a certain ethnic group or a certain part of the world. The gospel is for every human living on this planet. God wants all to know of his love revealed in Christ for a lost and broken world. If you talk to a wise and experienced Christian missionary who has worked in a culture very different from our Western culture, you will learn that when the missionary first comes to a group of people who have never heard the gospel, they don't immediately start telling them all the things they're doing wrong and they must change things that are a part of their way of life and have been for generations. If you try to do that, you will not be accepted and they will not listen to the message of Christ. There are places in the world where polygamy is still accepted and practiced. Now, I think polygamy is abhorrent. It almost always involves one man having multiple wives, and it can't help but denigrate the women involved. It is exploitative. It was not God's original intention. But if a missionary goes into a culture that accepts polygamy and instantly rebukes them and tells them to eliminate this practice, he will fail as a missionary. The job of the missionary is to establish trust and start with the basics of the gospel of Christ, that there is a God who created us and who, in spite of our failures, still loves us and has demonstrated that love by sending his only son to die for us. The missionary must be patient and allow time for the Holy Spirit to show people their errors. I'm sure this is very difficult, but it's what must be done if we are to fulfill Christ's commission to share his good news with every creature. Now, back to our discussion of the Old Testament. As we read the Old Testament, 
with its barbarities and cultural practices that are abhorrent to us, we need to see God as a missionary to a broken world that had completely lost its way and lost the knowledge of the true Creator God, God comes to slowly win us back. Like the wise Christian missionary, he doesn't seek to correct everything at once. He begins by seeking to establish among humanity that there is one true God who made the world and to whom we are all accountable. In a world of many gods, gods of various kinds, some of whom were thought to condone the basest practices of sinful humanity, this was no easy task. It literally took centuries just to establish the idea of monotheism among just one people, the people of Israel. But unlike you and me, God is infinitely patient. He is working to bring us back to his original plan for a perfect culture based on his love. Now, seeing God as a missionary is not going to solve all your problems with the Old Testament. It still remains a difficult book. At the risk of raising a question that I'm not going to solve for many of you, let me also say that in the Old Testament, God didn't take the time to correct all the scientific misconceptions that people had thousands of years ago. For example, people in the ancient Near East believed that the sky was a solid dome around the earth and that the sun, the moon, and the stars were affixed to it like the overhead light fixture is attached to the ceiling of the room where I'm recording this talk. God knew that we would figure these things out in time. He had more important things to communicate to us. To sum up which what should really be a much longer discourse, let me remind you of what I said last week. The theme of the Bible from beginning to end is Jesus Christ. In the story of Adam and Eve and the fall of mankind, which is another topic that people have different views on, we read of that moment when God called Adam and Eve and the serpent also to account for their disobedience. He pronounces judgment on the serpent and, of course, on Adam and Eve. From what we read later in the Bible, we know that the serpent was a manifestation of Satan, the tempter. In God's judgment on the serpent, he says in Genesis 3:15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. In case you don't know, that's how you kill a snake. There is no doubt that the offspring of the woman is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the cross, he defeated Satan. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, Satan's doom was sealed. John put it like this in 1 John 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The Old Testament depicts the world's desperate need for a Savior. 
and it promises and prefigures the coming of the Savior as we see in the New Testament. The New Testament answers the questions that the Old Testament left unanswered. Now, this has been a very cursory glance at the problems presented by the Old Testament, but I hope at least you will see that that earlier part of the Bible in a new way and understand that from the beginning in Genesis, what appears is a gradual unfolding of God's plan that culminated in the coming of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your precious and holy word. I thank you, Lord, for the parts that I think I understand, and I thank you for the parts that I just don't understand. But Lord, I put that all in your hands, and I believe that you have spoken to us and you have helped us to see enough for us to turn to Jesus Christ and call out to him for salvation. Thank you, Lord God, that the Bible is about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ, who was promised in the Old Testament, who was manifested in the New Testament, whose death and burial and resurrection has brought life and salvation to us, and that also in the New Testament we have that blessed hope that one day Jesus will come again to put things right, to eliminate all the sin, all the violence, all the suffering, all the death and disease from this world and usher in that eternal kingdom that will be blessed forever and ever. And I pray all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My friend, I'd love to hear from you. And if you have further questions, and I feel like this talk may have raised more questions than an answer, maybe in future talks we'll look into some of those. But I'd love for you to contact me, Dan Jones, at my email address. That's the best way to get a hold of me is father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.